it's always interesting to me when you and I disagree on stuff Mm -hmm. because it happens pretty rarely. Like when one of us sees something the other person doesn't, then we'll be like, oh yeah, you caught a thing I didn't catch, you know. But it doesn't happen very often with this show that we'll like watch the same scene and come away with two totally different interpretations of Mm -hmm. it. So I always like when we talk about those things. And sort of through like you and I talking about this, we sort of uncovered there's like a lot of disagreement and different interpretations sort of of this moment. And it's at the very end where Clark and Bellamy are saying goodbye to Kane and Abby. Clark and her mom hug and say, maybe we meet again. And it's lovely and sweet and wonderful. And then Bellamy and Kane shake hands. And then Kane says, you turn the page and you don't look back. You do better tomorrow than you did yesterday. And then maybe someday we'll deserve to survive or something like that. So it seems like people seemed very divided as to, A, both just sort of what that meant and B, how to interpret what that meant and C, I think what that interpretation says about the relationship between those two characters, both where it's going and also where it came from. I'll kind of talk about how I saw it. You talk about how you saw it. And then we can kind of talk about how after our conversation, rewatching it again, we felt differently. And we had sort of some thoughts about what it says about how we interpret story kind of as a whole. This is where we earn our title of meta station. Yes, because we're going to meta about meta. Exactly, yes. Yeah. This is a meta discussion of the process of meta-ing. <laughs> Meta-meta station. <laughs> we're meta-meta station, yeah. I guess just sort of to be very upfront about kind of where we come in with like our own perspectives. I've always been very attached to the growing relationship between Kane and Bellamy and this kind of father-son dynamic, which we've seen sort of little bits and pieces of. So what I kind of read of that moment, and I will say that I would have felt like this was more clear if he had said we the whole time, instead of saying you this, you this, you this, and then only at the end does he say we. Either way, I think it could have been clear. But I read it as him saying basically like a thing that I have learned through my hard-won life experience about carrying the weight of terrible things on my shoulders is that what you have to do is sort of figure out how to close the book on those things and move past them and Kane is telling Bellamy you have to sort of set down and walk away this sort of guilt that you've been carrying to me I felt like it was both serving the purpose of Kane giving Bellamy like a piece of here's how to cope with this thing that I'm watching you struggle with advice, as well as the narrative saying, we are now closing the book on the part of this story that was about Cain and Bellamy being at odds with each other. And so this is a shorthand, the way his little moment with the wrist bandages with Abby was a shorthand of saying like, you are now meant to interpret this relationship as definitively repaired. Mm -hmm. So Cain and Abby do not any longer have baggage around her having wounded him in the City of Light, the way we saw Clark and Abby's reconciliation at the end, you know, in the beginning of 316, that, like, they're good now. Cain and Abby are good now. And so I read this as, like, Cain and Bellamy are good now. Like, now they're on the same team, and the Pike stuff and all that rift between them has been put to bed, and it's being framed in a way where also Cain is delivering the thesis of this episode in terms of, like, closing the book on season three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I interpreted it as sort of, I think, forceful, but kind. There was some softness in kind of the way that they looked at each other, where I sort of was like, I love this moment. I love this relationship. This is, like, total Kellamy dad feels. I'm, like, totally all over it. So my first look at it, that was sort of where I was. And one thing that I will add to that, you know, that I think is in that interpretation 
is also, I think, definitely what's being what is being intended by that scene is that it's also kind of giving the audience a playbook for like how the show is going to be addressing Bellamy from season three, which is that it's no longer about him like going around feeling bad about what he did in season three. He has to turn forward. Now it's about he's going to be doing good stuff instead. Like this is a show being like, look, here's how you make up for bad things. You do good things. You move forward and do good things. So I think that's kind of like the thesis there. So the thing we discovered is that Claire was like, yay, Kellamy, this is great. I love that moment. That was beautiful. That was wonderful. And I, on first watch, that scene really rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't like it. I put a poll up on the Metastation Twitter, which, by the way, we have a Twitter now, at Metastation100, so go follow us on Twitter. So I put up a poll because I got really curious after I was talking to you about this, and, like, I talked to a few other people who, like, a bunch of people who reacted like Claire, who loved that moment, and a couple people like me who didn't like it. And based on the responses that we got, we got 383 votes, which is, like, way more than I expected. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I was like, good job, team. So far and away, the response was positive. So 86% of the people who voted liked that scene. 14% of the people who voted did not like that scene. And it asked also, which I think was helpful, was are you more of a Bellamy person or of a Kane person in addition to that? Yeah. So it's like Bellamy like dislike and Kane like dislike. And that I think was a helpful way to sort of sift that. Yeah, because I was trying to see if that's where the line yeah, was. Which it wasn't because of the four things, 61% of the people who voted liked it and said that Bellamy was their like primary person. 25% of the people liked it and said that Kane was their person. 10% of people disliked it and said Bell was their person. And 4% of people disliked it and said Kane was their person. So of the people who didn't like it, of the 14% of people who did not like that scene, two-thirds of them identify primarily with Bellamy, which I think tells us something about, like, you know, the people who didn't like it. So, so as we're talking about this, I don't want to be, like, implying that, like, this is some sort of... You know, like, I think overall it worked, but it was curious because, you know, because again, like you said, we don't usually disagree like this. You know, we don't usually have such different reactions. And my reaction to it when I was first watching it was that I didn't like it for a bunch of reasons. The primary reason was that the tone felt to me, it came across to me, not as like friendly or affirming on Kane's part to Bellamy, but as somewhat more like lecturing or sort of, like, mm-hmm. admonishing. Mm-hmm. At one point, like, I think Kane sort of says to Bellamy, you turned a page. And Bellamy, like, nods and turns away. And then Kane grabs him and keeps talking. And, like, the grab is something, like, I was just like, you know, like, it seemed a little forceful. So it sort of came across to me as more like, you know, Kane delivers lecture to Bellamy. And that, like, sort of rubbed me the wrong way. Like, it felt to me. And I think that sort of was, like, compounded with the fact that I felt like that scene. I agree with you. And I always agreed with you, even from the first viewing. That was a scene that was, like, delivering the thesis of the episode and of the season. We turn the page. We don't look back. You know, we do better tomorrow than we did today, et cetera, et cetera. Like, definitely that was a scene that was delivering the thesis. Definitely that was a scene that was delivering us, that was, like, telling us, like, hey, flashing lights in case you didn't catch it. Here's what's happening with Bellamy, you know? I think that's the purpose of the scene. But my issues with Kane's tone were compounded by the fact that that felt really heavy-handed to me. I was just kind of like, oh my god, yes, we get it. Like, you don't have to, like, wang me over the head. You know, you don't have to, like, take your, like, thesis for the show and shove it in someone's mouth and have them say it. The show does that sometimes. They've done that in the past. I don't always really like those. Like, they feel really awkward to me and kind of forced. So I think it was like, it was a combination of like, doing that kind of felt forced. 
plus the tone sort of came across as like luxury or like just like not positive to me. And so on first viewing, I was like, ugh, okay, whatever. So that's where we both started out. But like the cool thing that happened, and the reason that we're talking about this is not so much like here are two different ways of seeing this scene, but I think the cool thing that happened after that is that when we started texting, you know, you were like, oh, yay, Kelly, And I was like, I actually don't like that scene. And we started to talk about it. And then we moved over to Twitter and we wound up having a conversation with, you know, like a bunch of people on Twitter last night who had different reactions. So I think what happened was that we it turned into a conversation in which a bunch of us, you know, were all sort of like prompted to reflect on the sort of like subconscious or semi-conscious assumptions that we had been making about character relationships, about like feelings that we had about last season, about things that we either were willing to gloss over from last season or that we had filled in for ourselves and gaps in last mm-hmm. season. And like sort of reflect on some of those unspoken or un sort of articulated things, even to ourselves, how they shape our interpretation to get a better handle on like, wait a second, like in my own mind, what are the preconditions for my encounter with that scene that made me have this reaction? And that was really, really, really interesting, I think. Yeah. And I think the place where we agreed on what that kind of root cause was that sort of opened up oh, here's maybe why there's so many different interpretations is to do with the fact that when you really sort of drill down into the amount and the quality of screen time that those two characters have had together, it's comparatively little. Yeah. And we are clearly meant by the writers to extrapolate from that. You know, like we we come back from this three-month time jump They have this little kind of exchange, it's very brief, that is clearly meant to sort of indicate to us that like in that time that we didn't see, that all this growth has happened and that Bellamy is kind of Kane's right-hand man now. But we don't see that, we don't dig into it, we don't hear those conversations. So we have these kind of little moments that are sprinkled throughout and they're not all positive. Yeah. So there's a lot of empty space between those beats that we all kind of fill with our own stuff. I think a contrary example is like, I think Jasper and Monty's relationship is pretty tight. You know, I think there's less, there's less room for wildly different interpretations of who they are to each other than you might have with Kane and Bellamy because Jasper and Monty's history, their relationship with each other, the conversations that they have with each other, the, the storylines that they're in, you know, together. We as a, as a audience are much more clear on sort of on on the roots of that relationship. And we also saw like step by step. So like we were introduced to them as best friends inseparable. And we saw exactly like when when conflict arose between them and when they sort of parted, you know, we know why that was because we saw them in Mount Weather together. We saw Jasper, you know, we saw Maya die in Jasper's arms. We saw Jasper look at Monty and say, you know, like and say, I I was going to save her. You know, so we we saw beat by beat. Um, And then, like, even in season three, we got, like, there was an entire episode where, like, the B story was Jasper and Monty at the dropship talking about their relationship. So, like, you know, as their relationship has evolved and changed, we have seen every one of those steps. And with Kane and Bellamy, I think you're right. Like, so Kane and Bellamy didn't interact at all in season one. Season two started out on, you know, very much the wrong foot with, with Kane misinterpreting Bellamy and Murphy. And um, and it ends with a kind of little mo- there's like a little teeny moment at the very end of 216 where Kane says, good job. Um, and then there's a three-month time jump in which their entire relationship has transformed. And we get like two, like a, one or two conversations you know, we get like two episodes of interaction and not even and very, very little one on one interaction in there. 
to suggest what that relationship has become. But we really don't get any time to like dwell with it or sort of like, you know, like spend a lot of time with that before it kind of turns towards... Before Pike shows up, yeah. And then after that, you know, they're really much more at odds. It turns much more towards a series of sort of like Cain, like admonishing Bellamy, trying to tell him he's wrong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then for me, I think the kicker, and and with the people who, who also didn't like this scene and sort of, and and mentioned their struggles with the Kane and Bellamy relationship as a reason for it. I think we all of us really, really didn't like um, the Kane bellamy final exchange in episode 310, which is where Bellamy turns over Pike to the grounders. Yes. And Kane is like, did you do that for your sister, though? You know, like, it doesn't count if you did it for your sister. Um, which I think is one of, like, that's, that storyline, that, story that uh, episode is a mess of... Yeah, um, and we talk about that scene a lot. Like that, that's a real. It's a. That it's is a, a problem. Troubling it's a problem scene. scene. Yeah. And so I think so. Part of the problem is like it's a problem scene. It's a problem scene. It's a, it's a really difficult to know. Like you kind of have to just like decide for yourself how you're going to interpret it. So how you've decided to deal with that scene, you know, like it's going to shape a lot. But but um, I realized, you know, I hadn't really consciously registered this, but somebody pointed out like that. 310, that exchange, is the last time that Kane and Bellamy had a one-on-one exchange until this exchange at the end of 401. So, like, that that kind of, like, very negative exchange in 310, that very, like, luxury kind of, like, you know, like, you're you're still lost, Bellamy, which I think was a real inter- misinterpretation of Bellamy by Kane. That was, the, that was the status quo for those two until... Uh, the end of this episode so yeah so I think it's an issue of like we get very sparse little things and what seemed to emerge interestingly is that you know like I think for me and some other folks who who sort of who felt the, the way about that scene that I did roughly I mean I I really like Kane and Bellamy as a pairing as a relationship in theory you know, like, I really like the idea of Kane and Bellamy as, like, dad-son, mentor-mentee. I really, li- I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm ready to be on board with it. But the show, what the show has put on screen has not sold me yet. I'm not, I, that moment in, at the end of 401, for me, based on what we've been given in canon, like, on screen, it didn't feel earned. That relationship, that assumption of a relationship on the part of Kane, like, I think this is the thing that niggled at me. Because Kane was acting like, he, he was like sort of operating on the assumption, the show is operating on the assumption that Kane is a person who has the right to stop Bellamy and give him that kind of talk. And for me, Kane hadn't earned that yet, and the show hadn't earned that yet. I, I'm, I'm ready, like, if they give me a little bit more, like, give me a conversation. I mean, like, honestly, and I think I've said this, I said this on Twitter, too. If that, if, if Kane had said the exact same thing, and, but it had been in the context of a conversation with Bellamy rather than just like, we're parting ways, so here's my little speech to you, son. It would have been totally different for me. Um, but the way that it was presented, just like, like the show for me has not earned that relationship yet. And so I think that that's one big difference between the folks for whom it worked and the folks for whom it didn't. It comes down to whether they earned mm-hmm. it yet. And I think, like you said, it comes down to like, for me, I was not, I, I haven't spent any time filling in those gaps. I don't really have any interest in filling those gaps. Like, if they get filled mm-hmm. in, I'll be happy. I don't have a problem with it. But, like, I'm not invested in, like, thinking through Kane and Bellamy's relationship or, like, sort of headcanoning out what happened in those three months and what they meant to each other that wasn't shown on the screen, you know? Yeah, and I think because, like, because the thing that we can sort of all agree on is that, like, there's, you know, 
they're they're drawing a line between like a sparse handful of very widely spaced out points. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and and so I think for me, I think I think part of what um, where I feel where I do feel really like like I feel a very sort of strong emotional connection with. Um, even I think with sort of what little is there, mm-hmm. and it's based on a couple of different, you know, sort of things. One of which is that I feel like I feel very deeply connected to. I guess the best way to put it is to my perception of the relationship that Bob and Ian are playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and and so so for me, um, and and that both has to do with like the things that they sort of say in real life about each other. Um, and some of the sort of behind the scenes stories about the way we heard of, you know, like them sort of like, you know, the like talking through the relationship when they were, you know, like when, when Bellamy's storyline in season three was kind of a mess, you know, and, but like, so he and Ian would kind of sit down, like sort of talk through it, like that they had sort of crafted for themselves sort of this backstory of what their relationship was, you know? Um, and also... So, like, for me, like, I, and this is where I think it's interesting, like, like, for you, the connective thread to season three moment in that sort of 401 um, exchange was, like, like, in, in your head, the place that you link it to is that sort of very kind of parallel structured, even down to, like, the arm grab you know, scene in, in 310 where Kane has that, like, which even I agree, like, sort of weirdly out of character line about, it's like, well, when, when did Octavia come in? Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's like that Octavia. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> um, yeah, so, so, so even for me, it's like, that's not a moment that works. But so, 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 it's like for you, those two things in your head are linked and so then you feel like, okay, so this doesn't work narratively in that way because that didn't work narratively. And for me, I think maybe part of the reason why I look at that scene really differently was I link, like my my season three link to that exchange in 401 was with Kane coming out of the City of Light in that sort of nonverbal moment of the 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 way that he looks at his own hands, the way he looks at Bellamy and and the sort of whole story that's told in that moment of his guilt at the thing that he did and the way that's contrasted and paralleled, I think, with the way that we see Abby respond when she sort of has that moment of realizing what she did to Clark. And so you have, like, so so to me it feels like you have some very specific, like, the way that it's shot, the way they move physically, parallels of, like, a parent feeling like they've hurt their child and a very particular and specific guilt that comes with that. And so then sort of the line... You know, so this is like, again, so like where I'm filling in the gaps with my own stuff that I'm bringing is feeling like that what's happening in that moment is is Kane trying to say something about grief and that maybe like and that and that he is he's sharing something that he himself has learned and experienced. And so part of what we're hearing is him kind of closing the door on his own part of this sort of as well. So but yeah, but it but it is. But I think that. You know, there isn't a huge amount there. I think there's a lot of, you know, there's sort of fan interpretations and there's thick and there's headcanons and everyone sort of has their own kind of stuff. Yeah, but it, I know? think what's interesting there is also just like, and this is something that like, I mean, the reason why this discussion is so interesting to me and to go back to like the meta-meta station thing, you know, like we're meta-ing our own meta is that, you know, like having this conversation with you and with other people I mean, I'm really learning things about myself that I didn't know, you know, like I'm learning things about the way that Mm -hmm. I interpret character and read TV shows and and the kinds of like things that I need personally to really like buy into a relationship and that kind of thing that I wasn't aware of before. So like when you're talking about the parallels, for instance, so that we have that like, have a number of sort of like nonverbal 
really like cinematic and performance parallels between Kane and Abby in that scene in, in 316. And like, I totally agree with you. I see those parallels, you know, like I, those are absolutely there. Um, and I think that, that the show, I mean, I will add, I also, I should also say that I think like your interpretation of the scene in 401 is almost certainly what was intended. My interpretation, I'm reacting in a way that they didn't intend. Um, so I think, I think what you're pointing to is what they are trying to do. Um, and I think you're right that the sort of like cinematic and, and performance parallels between Kane and Abby, um, at the end of season three is a piece of that. So the interesting thing to me you know, that I'm sort of like learning about myself is that, that, uh, in terms of me, like emotionally buying into the existence of a relationship between two characters in that world, sort of like parallel about Kane and Abby being parents being made by the camera is not sufficient. So like Mm. I, so, so, I mean, I guess what, Mm, because I think what I, how I process that I mean, I'm, I, you know, like on some sort of like, and this is, again, I'm like trying to articulate things that have been entirely subconscious up until this point. I think the way that I process that for me personally is that the, the sort of like cinematic parallel, the kind of like ways that, that, that structure in 316 sort of gives us information about like Kane and Abby being kind of in the same position vis-a-vis Bellamy and Clark, right, respectively, is that... I sort of process that as a more of like a thematic level, you know, like this is not telling mm-hmm. us anything about, this is not, or it's not telling me anything about the actual existing relationship between those two people. It's telling us something about mm-hmm. the way that the show is, it's to me, I guess I interpret, I would interpret that moment more as drawing parallels between Kane and Abby than it is between mm-hmm. Kane and Bellamy and Abby and Clark, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes so sense. So it's like yeah. not suggesting that like Kane and Bellamy therefore have the same kind of parental relationship that Abby and Clark do. It's just like they're in the same position. So so for me, like I see that parallel. I see that that idea being drawn. But for me, that doesn't establish the existence of an actual relationship, like an understanding between Kane and Bellamy that makes me, you know, get to that like lecture thing and be like, yes, Kane is a person who is like you know, who is enough like a dad to Bellamy that he has the right right to be like, listen, son, you know, here's how Mm -hmm. it is. Um, (laughs) It's, it's, it's interesting to me. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. And I, I think um, the thing that I'm sort of thinking about, and I guess sort of articulating that I, again, that I hadn't sort of thought of in the, in this sort of way is I think I'm, I think I'm sort of realizing that I'm, I'm very much more shaped by, in interpreting that character and, and maybe like maybe this is a I don't know if this is a theater background that like like is is this are we coming down to a fundamental like like you are an English professor and I am a playwright and we look at story like because I feel like I'm suddenly realizing like I'm very shaped by actor choices mm. in how I read those characters yeah. like I'm like in, in hearing you articulate this I'm thinking like oh I'm like I'm I'm very like the way this character looks at this character or or the physical movement choice that is made in like, you know, like Abby looking down at her hands, Kane looking at like I'm I'm shorthanding a lot of character information sort of from like from things like acting choices and from things like sort of nonverbal cues and moments like that. And um and so that so like that's my like my sort of interpretation of you know, of sort of who these two people are to each other I think I feel like a lot of what I'm 
picking up are things that like that that you are correct like they are things that are not in the text you know like they are yeah. they are things that are not written that are not scripted you know and and I'm sort of absorbing like choices that Bob and Ian are making as actors yeah and choices that the director and the camera are making in terms of like the performances and sort of that layer of it but it, but again but it is not in the text you know and yeah and so I think this is this is sort of where that like like I think I think that we're both on the same page that like what they were intending to convey was x and I think that there's a lot of disagreement from people from a lot of different reasons of like did it work for you did you feel as a viewer that they got there? yes yes and I think I, I think you're not wrong I should say I, th- I think that you and others who interpret those sort of nonverbal acting and um, editing choices as being character information, you're not wrong to do that. You know, I think that is... But I also think it's... Imp- like, but I can totally see why, like... It's also fair to be like, that didn't work yes, for you. Yes, right, Like, right. I totally, yeah. like... Yeah. I completely yeah. hear where you're I coming I think we from. are both correct yeah. in our own way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, but I think we are too. But I mean, it's interesting because now I'm suddenly hearing this, like, is this because, like... Is this literally that, like, our professionally <laughs> as like writers and creative people our interactions with text are fundamentally different and like is is that in some deep core way playing into i don't know like i, I mean just, it's I don't possible know how the like, i mean it, because is it because is it because you and i are who we are you it, know? yeah I which know. You, i mean it, it could be it, it could be a function of that i think definitely because like one thing about you know the other thing about being an english professor is that like <laughs> if you go to if you go to like if you get a PhD in English literature, like one thing that they beat out of you is identifying with characters as like people, people, you know, like this is a thing, mm. you know, like this is a mm-hmm. thing where it's mm. like when you are, when you are, when you learn how to read, you know, to like analyze a novel, like an English professor who is going to like, be like writing articles and books about it you know the thing that you sort of have to like unlearn and that that you know like me my friend my colleagues and friends will sit around like complaining about sometimes that that students do is you unlearn relating to characters in terms of if this was a person if I remember if I'm thinking about them as a person who I might know you know, like, like I spend, you know, I spend That's so funny. much time and when I teach novels, when I teach, you know, I teach novels sometimes, yeah. like when I teach Jane Austen classes, like it's so much work. A lot of the work that you have to do uh-huh. is to be like, we, we don't, we're like, we're not talking about whether or not you like Charlotte or whether or not you approve of right, her decisions. Right. We're talking about Charlotte as a fictional character who is, you know, Austen is using a number of different sort of like techniques of writing to create this character and to create sort of like connections between her and her position in the text as a person in this world, what she represents to other things in the text and outside in the world and what those things mean. So it's not about like, do you, do you like Charlotte? And do you think it's like, it was the right call for her to marry Mr. Collins or not? How do you feel about that? It's like, okay, Charlotte as a young woman with more limited choices for a number of reasons has made this pragmatic decision. What does that information, what is that existence, what is her existence in the story tell us about, say, um, the kind of like world that Austin is portraying and the ways that like economics shape personality. That movement from like, who is this person as a person to who is this person as a function of like theme in the text. So like that's the thing that like, yeah, if you like I, that, that I, 
that I feel like a lot of the time, I it's like at this point I feel like I have to like flip a switch in my brain. I can either do one or the other. I yeah. can either like connect emotionally or I have to turn that off and I'm just thinking about it, you know, sort of like on a technical level. Um, so like, I, I think that is a piece of it. So when I see those little, like, yeah. with, like that's why those nonverbal parallel things, like I see them, but I, pr- I process those kinds of like artistic choices in a different way. I don't process them as like, what does this tell me about what Kane is feeling about Bellamy or Bellamy is feeling about Kane per se? Like, I guess I don't really like my right. primary mode is not to look at that and be like, Ooh, that's a hint about a character. And I'm going to dig into that. I'm like, sort of like, huh, the, the, the text is creating parallels between these characters, char- these two characters in this role and two characters in this role. And what is that telling right. us about people who are in this role versus people who are in that role or whatever. Guilt is a theme rather than guilt is a thing that Kane is feeling. Right. I am like, I'm so, I'm, I'm so enjoying this conversation and I'm, you feel like you're blowing my mind because it's like what I have to do, like I have to do the exact opposite. <laughs> like, like when I'm, like when I'm, when I'm writing a play, I can't be thinking about like, like I, like you can't, if you wrote a play that it was just like, okay, I have these two people and they're talking to each other, but like one of them represents war, one of them represents <laughs> Yeah, it would be terrible. You yeah, know, you like, can't write it'd be like the that. worst play in the entire yeah, world, absolutely. you know, and, yeah, and so like, so like it all, so I have to sort of start from like, and this is like, like, like this is, you know, like who I am as a writer, like my entire professional career as a writer. It's like, you have to like, the first thing that you have to start with, the very first thing is like, who are these people, you know? And, and then when I'm writing it, I have to be those people. Like I have to... I have to feel the things that they're feeling and I have to understand on like a very deep primal level, like every piece of like, you know, even things that don't end up in the play, you know, like, like, but like who they are and, and their past and their history and like the nuances of their relationship with each other. And, and, and on stage, like so much of, of what I do, like so much of the storytelling that you do as a playwright and I'm sure too, like as a screenwriter, is in the things that are not said, mm-hmm. you know, like, like to, and this is something that like my, like, like one of like my biggest challenges as a writer when I was first starting out was this inclination to make everything textual, to make everything, like to, to put in everything, you know, and then you leave no room for the actors to make their own choices. Then the play is boring and over <laughs> you know, and, um, and you've, you're sort of overly regimenting, like, I want the audience to think this. And so I'm sort of pointing them on this road instead of sort of creating a space where human beings interact. And so I think because like I'm I'm hardwired to think of story in like in that theatrical context where like sometimes the big moment that happens between two characters is like a moment of eye contact and then somebody looks away and leaves the room and then everyone goes <gasps> and that's the dramatic <laughs> climax. You know, right, like right, that's right, like right, sometimes right. that's how theater yeah, works. Yeah, you no, know? no, of course, and, of course. Um and so that's so like that's how the way that my brain is trained to like engage in story and interact with story is like I'm always watching eye contact. I'm always watching the way people's hand gestures are moving or um, or the things that they're wearing or um, or the way that they stand and all of these sort of like nonverbal things that like that are in my toolbox as a playwright. Like part of how I tell the story of who this character is, is, you know, isn't all those little things and then you know and then when you hand a script to an actor and the actor makes choices and they sort of say okay I'm I'm interpreting this character you know and I'm sort of bringing my own thing to it and then they have their own you know their physicality their their voice articulation all that kind of stuff and so it's just so it's interesting because I like like hearing you sort of describe like engaging with story in a way where like you have to stop seeing the people as real people 
And, you know, and for me, it's like where I have to fundamentally start from is these people have to be real people mm-hmm. to me. And then the story unfolds from there. It's like, it's like we have like, we're like totally opposite <laughs> brains in how we interact with text. And, and I feel, I feel like we've sort of, we've like hilariously stumbled on this like tiny little macrocosm, microcosm of like, of like the whole, like the difference between like me as a writer, you as a writer, and like our brains working in this completely different way just because our crafts are so yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. And so we're like, we're totally hardwired to come into this looking for completely different things. <laughs> it's so funny. This is so it funny. Is so, like, so funny. I'm like blowing my own mind I know, with this. this. Hilarious. <laughs> like you're talking about like, okay, you know, like in the play, the big sort of like boom of, you know, act three is like, the two characters look at each other and look away and don't say anything and that's it. And I'm thinking like, yeah, you know, and like the the like article about your play would be titled like Speaking Silence, you know, <laughs> yes, moments yes. of non-speech in Claire Willett's <laughs> Dear Galileo or whatever. Um, <laughs> and it'd be like 25 pages of how important it is that you didn't choose to have them speak and what non-speeches and blah de blah de blah. Um, <laughs> I should, I should, in, in the interest of full disclosure, <laughs> a little bit of like biographical background about me. So the reason why I actually specialize in poetry and the reason why I actually specialize in poetry is because I got to grad school and I went to grad school planning to work on novels. And then I got there and after about like a year and a half of that whole like beating out of you like you don't get to you know like you can't identify with characters you can't identify with the text you know you must have like you know critical distance hermeneutics of suspicion blah blah blah. I was like you know what this isn't fun I really want to be able to read novels and just like (laughs) like have my feelings okay so yes (laughs) so I'm gonna work on poetry because like a then I don't have to feel like alienated from my stories um and b also I mean like poetry also I, my brain just like works better I'm better at I'm better at poetry like the way that my brain works it just works better with poetry for for a number of those reasons because of like concepts and blah blah, blah. but anyway so it, so it's sort of funny that you say that it's like our brains are in opposite ways and I'm like yep that's why I don't write about novels because I was like I can't sustain this. You'd ruin your yeah, own. Yeah, no, fun. exactly. Yeah. So this is why it's like it's like a, a switch in my brain. Like I had to learn how to be like turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off. Oh my god, that's. Um, but yeah, no, but like this is so fascinating. Like I think it's really cool to like sort of find out to like to like really dig in and figure out like okay like how do we encounter story how do we how do we analyze story like what are our starting points and also I mean like I don't know about you for for you but for me like you know, really, really like reflecting a lot for the last like 24 hours on, on this particular crux, this like, as, yeah, as yeah. we would say mm-hmm. in my business, this textual crux <laughs> of, um, <laughs> of how to read this scene. Oh my God. I just want to smack myself. That was so. <laughs> no, I get so hard eyes when you talk like that. You know, it turns me on. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> hard eyes or hard on. <laughs> <laughs> so tired you guys oh we're getting tired uh, we've been talking for three hours and 15 minutes um anyway so like the 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 i don't even where, where the what was i saying <laughs> you were you said you said crux you were talking about this is the oh, oh this yes is the crux. okay so like reflecting yeah. on this on this moment for like the last 24 hours i think the thing that's like been really really like the most like sort of i think really like cool and constructive for me is that you know, as much as we're sort of talking about, like, technical reasons, like, why, you know, like, why, like, like, cinematic parallels don't land for me emotionally the way they land for you, I think ultimately what it comes down to is, like, 
you know, like we had really different emotional reactions to the scene. Like I had a really emotional reaction to that. Like my, my, my initial reaction to that scene wasn't clinical. Like, oh, this isn't earned. It was like, ugh, you know, it was like, I don't like this, you know? And then I had to like stop and step back and try to like sort of reverse engineer where that feeling of like resistance came from. And so, you know, and so like, so I feel like, yeah, I mean, it sort of sounds cheesy, but I feel like I lo- I learned a lot about myself from thinking about this. Like, I didn't know. You Like, honestly, if you had asked me yesterday before the episode aired, if you had asked me, like, how do you feel about Kane and Bellamy? How do you like their relationship in season three? What do you think? I'd be like, oh, yeah, it was great. You know, like, I can't wait to see them together, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, I don't think I would have been able to I, – I, I was conscious of the fact – that I was holding on to some of that stuff from season three until that happened. And then I had to stop and be like, oh, wait, I am holding on to it. Okay, why Why am I holding on right, to it? Right, You know, yeah. like, what is it that was, what was, what was it that was present in the text that it was sort of, like, sticking in my craw and what was absent yeah. from it that I needed that, that I didn't get, you know? And then also mm-hmm. just kind of learning from that, like, all right, you know, when I have this, you know, I have this emotional reaction to it, it was just kind of, like, also a really good reminder, you know, as we're, as we're talking to other people about the show and we're sort of like encountering people talking to other people who have very different emotional reactions to scenes and to characters to sort of stop and think like, okay, I had this emotional reaction. Let's, let's rather than jumping to like, Oh my God, how could anybody possibly think something different than me? Or like one of us must be right. Or, you know, like rather than being kind of like, seeing it as as conflict between you know the two of us or between people who don't agree it was it's you know it's been kind of really informative to be like all right so we disagree we have a fundamental disagreement we we sort of reacted differently let's stop for a minute let's like take a take a take a beat to identify what our baseline assumptions are and then compare those and see like where are we starting from that's different you know what common ground did we have which is basically it was interesting where it was like we had a lot of common ground you know we really did oh yeah and then both of us mm-hmm. when we went back and watched it a second time both of us were like okay this time i totally saw what you're talking about you know like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like the second time yeah, around i see I what like, i saw but i also saw what she exactly saw. like yeah. the second time around i was like all right like i like this a lot more because i was like you know the second time watching it through i was i was like all right you know, I know for a lot of people that really worked, it landed, it was earned. So I was, I was more conscious. I was like looking for those little things that set it up. And I noticed a bunch of stuff the second time through, like I noticed it is like, some of it is just like, you notice things the second time through more, but I noticed more things like Bellamy expressing guilt, expressing doubt, you know, saying like, maybe we all deserve it. Like there's a through line of guilt for Bellamy that I think that I hadn't meant that I mentally sort of glossed over maybe a little bit as well as a through line of guilt and kind of, and, and that sort of like Kane has that through line of like, moving forward, moving forward, moving forward, excuse me, which again, I hadn't really like totally put together. Yeah, so the second time yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like paying attention to those clues. So by the time we got to the end, I was like, all right, this is a culmination of a bunch of stuff that they've been building in throughout this episode. So this is not just a kind of like Kane out of nowhere being like, here's a speech Bellamy. It's like, this is Kane delivering the sort of like, he's like putting a bow on a bunch of stuff that they have been doing in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, even if it didn't, you know, it didn't erase my like, my like lingering sort of like I need a little bit more from that relationship but it did I did I was like all right okay this the scene does work like the scene itself in the episode yes they set that up that's fine so I did feel much better I liked it better the second time well and then I felt like for like for me you know conversely when I went back and watched a second time I um I felt like I was able to see you know when we hit that moment like I a lot of the parallels 
to that scene in 310, which we both did not like. Like the like the arm grab. Like I was like, okay, I, I, I was so watching thinking like, I'm seeing how like this moment I think is maybe intentionally by the writers drawing some parallels to that past moment. And that past moment we both agreed did not work. Felt really like... Like, I have a lot of negative energy around that interaction mm-hmm. because I felt like the Octavia thing came out of left field and, you know, and it felt hostile and I was not on board with it and it felt like, it didn't feel like what in that moment Kane would say. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it also felt like, it, it was, I think it was frustrating too because it was like Bellamy had made all of this, you know, like, I mean, it was a mess, but like basically Bellamy had gone by the end of this episode from being the enemy to being like, to doing the right thing, you know, turning in Pike, deciding to do that rather than taking the safe way out, you know, like choosing his friends. And then to have Kane be like, but if it was for Octavia, it doesn't count, which sort of suggests that it was for Octavia. It was just like, it felt like, oh yes, we're moving towards, oh, you know, Kane just like set us back again, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it was, and I feel like in that scene, it's like, I, I'm... I'm completely on board with the fact that, like, after all that has happened and all they have been through and the trauma and Lincoln and everything, that, that like, Kane, Kane being willing to look Bellamy in the eye and acknowledge that he did a thing that is good without being willing to forgive him yet would make perfect sense. But how it was executed bringing in the Octavia thread was so weird. It was so weird. That yeah. I was just like, why are you, what, yeah. So, so I, so, so for me, so watching it again a second time after having like talked to you and then seeing everyone on Twitter who was like, ooh, yeah, that did not work and here's why, that I felt like I was watching it from an eye of like, you know, where, where are the connective threads in this moment to the things in season three about both Bellamy, about about Bellamy, the concept of Bellamy and guilt. Yes, yes, yes. And and the and the narrative's tendency to disproportionately pin blame for things on Bellamy that he was only indirectly involved in. The implication that it's Bellamy's fault that Lincoln is dead. The implication that it's Bellamy's fault that Kane almost died. The implication that it was Bellamy's fault that the massacre happened. Like all of these things that kind of kept happening, where. You know, where somebody else, usually Pike, had had the active agency, but like Pike is a guest star and Bellamy is our male lead. And so for narrative purposes, he was sort of required to like be the one bearing the brunt of consequences for things that like in any practical way, it's like he's he's like at best number two on this list. And I think we're meant to believe some of these things if we'd have more context were excusable. So so I feel like I was watching it a second time looking at it like you know, okay, where, like, I could see where this tracks to all of those things that happened in season three, where it was like, once again, like, Bellamy's the only person who needs redemption, you know, like, and that's been a, that was a real troubling thread last season was sort of the implication that, like, everyone has done terrible things, but only Bellamy gets punched in the face for it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and so I think that watching it again with that context, I was like, ooh, yeah, I can see where, like, I can see where, like, if that had been what they meant, that would be troubling, and I could see how it could be read that way. So, yeah, so I feel like we, I think we both were able to watch it again, sort of being like, you know, like, I still see the things that I saw, and I also see the things that you saw, and I also can see that there's a lot of different ways to interpret it. And I think the thing that is the most important, I guess, about about us having this conversation, and why it was so important to us to spend a lot of time on it, you know, on it here, is I think, I think there is a tendency in in fandom when moments like this occur that like 
things become deeply personal because you feel like because it's like everyone has to like pick a side and like defend your faith. Yeah, you know, and and I think what was really important about this was like the conversation that that you and I were having was never about like <laughs> does this mean like. Kane is an asshole who's being shitty to Bellamy. This like this is not a character thing. This is a writer thing. It's like we all we're all clear on what Kane, the fictional character, means in this moment. The question is, what did the writers intend in that moment? Did they execute it correctly? Did they get there? Do we have the information that we need to get to that place? And then within that, there's like a million different sort of conversations that we can have about the writer's intention, about what they did, about how that made people feel that is separate from, you know, saying like, well, Kane is my favorite, so I'm going to defend him because I think he was right versus saying, well, I'm over here and Bellamy is my favorite and I think Kane was being shitty to him, so now I hate Kane. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So like, like that, that really reductive, simplistic way of having that argument where everyone's sort of just knee-jerk assumption is to get like attacking and defensive towards fans of the other character – I feel like is like like trying to sort of how do we kind of quash that tendency I think is is important and that's where it just sort of becomes about like you know like like meta is not a thing that has right and wrong answers like there isn't there there is not a one way that this scene is supposed to be interpreted and so I think um you know I think the important thing is to sort of say like you know, like you had one very different experience that I had one very different experience watching this the first time. And then we both sort of met in the middle a little bit more the second time. And then we've talked to people who like felt all kinds of different ways about it. And that's like, that's because we all respond differently to the media that we consume. Yeah. Yeah. And that there are some whole host of reasons. Yeah. And there's, and there's some genuine ambiguities in the text that we're responding to. That's, that's sort of like producing these different reactions. So, you know, so like when that happens, you know, it's kind of a signal to slow down, take a moment, say like, okay, all right. Like, so let's, let's, let's everybody's like go back to our corners for a second, really, really think through, what why did I react the way that I reacted what are the signals what are what's the sort of backstory and then we can sort of recompare notes and see and like understand a little bit better like you know understand yourself better understand other people better like understand the text better understand what's working what's Mm. not you know so it's like it's a moment for it's a moment when you can find more clarity and perhaps more complexity you know yeah, and I think that there's, I think just there's, there's a lot of different sort of factors of things that we bring to the table that make us see it like really differently. Like, like, like we talked about, like, like you and I have different like ways of interpreting text. We also have very different relationships with our own dads, and we exist in different fandoms that have different conversations about these two characters and their relationships. Like, I write a lot of fic about Dad Kane. Like, I spend a lot of time. I get a lot of meta prompts about Dad Kane. Like, I think about the Kane and Bellamy relationship and Kane's evolution as a parent figure a lot. And so like, that's all very like present in my head. And so that's like, so we're all, we sort of fill in our own blanks. Mm-hmm, exactly. 